welcome back to Basic Bananas Radio, where we share tried and tested ways to grow your brand and get more customers. Everything from the latest in marketing and branding, right through to growing your team and creating an irresistible culture. Welcome back to Basic Bananas Radio. This is Christo here. In this episode, I talk with Ed Bodkin. Ed owns a business that trains people to create professional video content. The, the business name, Video Skills Training, and the website, videoskills.com.au. This episode, Ed shares a lot. So I recommend grabbing a pen and a piece of paper and uh, taking a lot of notes because there's so much content to help you improve your video skills. If you are creating video content, uh, for any of your marketing material, you know, any content creation at all, uh, training videos, etc., any video content, which you should be if you're in business because video is a, uh, you know, a, a super popular means to market yourself and get your messages out there. So if you're not doing video content, you want to get started after this episode. And if you are doing video content, this will give you a lot of ideas and a lot of ways to improve the quality of your video creation. So enjoy the show. Ed, welcome. Yeah, thanks so much. It's great to be here. (laughs) Thanks so much for coming in. We're actually in Basic Bananas headquarters today. So uh, often these podcasts you know, people are all over the world. And you're here in the flesh. It's I know. exciting, I'm, a human. <laughs> exactly. For a whole year, I've been tuning in from my home, which is just down the road. But it's really nice to actually be back in the HQ. Yeah, it's super cool. And uh, it's getting uh, after the pandemic and everything else that's going on, it's a rare opportunity to actually sit down with someone. I had to put on pants today. <laughs> <laughs> they look great. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, great. You're welcome. And um, so tell us about you. For our listeners, um, what's been your kind of business journey? What are you up to? What's Fill us in. Yeah, so I I mean, just rewinding maybe to when I started 20 years ago as a web designer back in England. um, I was building websites for the BBC, but also learning how to film and edit. So obviously they had a lot of content that we were putting online. And um, that's where my passion for video production started. And since then, I've worked in the UK and Australia for many different sort of organizations and NGOs. Um, and I spent a lot of time at Sydney Morning Herald and what it taught me there was how to tell a story, a story um, in a short form. And now I spend probably 70% of my time running workshops for teams. So sort of go into an organization and teach them how to make short form content and just really sort of pass on those skills where you're the shooter and the editor and how to get things done as smoothly and professionally as possible. Mm, tricky one, hey, for, for so many people to just they know they need to do video, especially with social media and everything going on, you know, nowadays for business, they've suddenly got to be a production team, uh, an actor, uh, a story writer, you know, an all-in-one, and uh, it gets pretty difficult. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think everyone's, you know, busy, and a lot of people that come on the courses, you know, are already busy five days a week, but now they're also going to be doing some of the filming. So, you know, what I'm try and cover today is sort of how to sort of streamline the process. A lot of people say, oh, you know, video production does take a long time, but hopefully these tips will give you a better result. That's the main thing, but also give you the skills and confidence to just do it better and faster. Awesome. I know um, you got so much knowledge you could share, so I don't want to beat around the bush and um, thought it'd be good to get into these these steps to creating the um, basically professional video content 
Um, I recommend for our listeners take a lot of notes, obviously, or bookmark this uh, you know this episode so you can always come back to it because. I've looked at the show notes ahead of time and you're going to get really good, uh, like a really good lessons in a really nice structured way. Um, so basically you should be making a bit of a checklist, I reckon, for your, for your videos and a lot of notes on this one. If you're driving, of course, don't take notes. Just listen in and uh, come back to it when you can. But uh, over to you. So let's, so let's go through, like, what, what are you going to run through? What are the, the five steps? Yeah, so... I've broken it down into five steps, and there's sort of technical tips, but also sort of conceptual ideas as well. Um, so the steps would be your pre-production, equipment, production, post-production, and, and sharing. So you can see they're pretty big areas, but I'll sort of break them down, and they really flow from one to the other. So this is a really good way to sort of work through any video project, and there'll be a bonus tip at the end, which is uh, hopefully going to encourage people to get to the end of the podcast. Oh, teaser! I like it. <laughs> nice. So yeah, let's let's hear hear more. So what's what's up? To so I think you know I would start with pre-production, and you know every obviously everyone knows you know planning and preparation does uh, does help with anything you're doing. But how does it look for video production? Well, the way I like to work is if someone's asking me to make a video, I'll ask them a couple of questions in terms of you know who's the video for. Uh, how long do you want it to be? How many people are we going to film? How many interviews are you going to do? And what other shots do you need? So really sort of map it out. And I think it's at that point you might think, okay, this video seems a bit long. Maybe we're trying to cover too many sort of topics. So you might want to sort of split it up into a series of videos. And it's really important to probably think about this at the beginning before you embark on the project. So I'll probably write on a piece of paper, I would sort of draw up four columns. And the first column would be timing. So where you are in the video, maybe the first 10, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and so on. The second column, what we're seeing, so what the viewer will finally see in the final video. And then your questions and answers. So you can sort of work backwards. You think, right, I really want the person to say something along these lines, and that's going to tick the boxes to make this video a success. So then you can write the question to match. Mm. So you think, okay, if they're going to say this, that'll be perfect, and that will segue nicely into question two or interview two. And you can just work through, and if you think with your ideal answer that people speak at roughly sort of three words per second, you could probably do a quick word count and work out like, okay, now this video is five minutes, we wanted three minutes, so again, are we going to make two videos here? So this sort of process of um, working out everything you need to ask, all the questions you need to get, is going to really help for the interview process, make sure you haven't missed a bit, and then you can also map it to the, to the shots you need on the day. So that's stuff you're going to film, and that's often called overlay or B-roll or cutaways. Um, and that might be stuff you film or you might get from a stock library, mm. or maybe the person has access to this footage already. Nice, nice. I like it. So it's really sort of shooting for the edits, and again, it's really going to help, you know, half an hour here, maybe an hour, will really pay dividends later on. So you're not sort of spending hours in the edit suite. That whole post-production phase, which is part of sort of step four, will be a lot faster and more streamlined because you have less footage, you know what you get, and you go in with that in mind. Yeah, I think most people are just going to grab the, you know, it's like, quick, let's film the video, what's the idea? And then, and yeah. then yeah, it ends up a lot of work later because you end up with either doing 50 takes because you didn't know what you were really doing until you're halfway through, and then the, uh, or, yeah, the work after ends up massive amount of editing. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of that. We really kind of just wanted to rush out and film stuff. And, you know, I see a lot of people on the course... Uh, when I teach them, they're really kind of 
encouraged and enthused to kind of go out and film stuff, but probably you really want to work in sort of smaller sections and just break down the project. Nice. So I suppose around this time as well, it's probably um, a tip I'd throw in and uh, just think about the story you could tell because there's different ways and we all like stories. They've been around sort of forever and storytelling comes up a lot in marketing and you probably sort of thought about it. But there are some sort of ways to look at storytelling and I picked up these uh, storyteller cards recently and they're really nicely made. There's sort of 52 cards and it can really help you with sort of hooks to your story or particular story structures. So if you think of sort of many movies, they're all based on a rather sort of similar story. The kind of classic one might be... Um, Hero and Guide, which is the Star Wars one. So sort of Obi-Wan Kenobi is the, the guide to, to Luke. Um, and there's sort of people who are sort of, their life's good, then there's some sort of crisis and they fall into a hole and they have to have some sort of way of uh, looking inwards or having help from another person to get them out of this hole and they end up in a better place. So they're a really useful tool and we'll probably link to them in, in, the, in the show notes. But... Um, Here's a really good point at this very beginning is to try and think about how you could sort of engineer your story to engage your viewers and just use the idea of storytelling as a great way to base mm. your message. Yeah, the stories, it's, it's a human nature, isn't it? We all connect with a story. We all kind of like buy into a story. We do it a lot through marketing, whether it's like the person's background, why you got into business or a customer case study that people can connect with. I love the cards idea. Everyone loves a little bit of a, you know, a, a shortcut. They're kind of these, uh, just look at them here on the on the table. They're like a big, bigger than a playing card. They're about two, two or three times the size. And uh, it looks like you could just grab anywhere in the deck, hey? It's got a little summary of a story idea on the front and a story arc on the back and how to kind of uh, put together your story uh, following this, or like, I guess, this structure. Yeah, that's uh, right. They're really broken into a case where you could just sort of, you know, be like a magician shuffle. and just pick a card, any card. <laughs> Or, you know, you go with sort of a, a series, so one from each kind of colour. I think there's sort of seven or eight different colours. Yeah. Uh, but the nice thing is they're sort of interlinked as well. So you pick up a card, read about one of them, and then it's like, oh, you, this one it links nicely with another type of card. Nice. And what are they called? So Storyteller Tactics. Storyteller Tactics. And they made different ones for workshop presentations and right. different ideas and so on. So, cool. Oh, we'll um, link to that. Yeah, we'll find a, yeah, find a, good a thing. link in our... Um, I think I'll pick myself up a pack of those as well. Yeah, Black Friday deals. Oh, there yeah, we go. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So the second tip I have is around equipment. Now, this is much more sort of technical in some ways, but you may have written a script in the sort of planning stages. Um, so that's where you just sort of write down your ideas and perhaps you're going to be using a teleprompter. So there's some ideas around or concepts around writing a script. You really want to keep it conversational. So it sort of goes into storytelling that you, it's not the same as sort of writing a, a document. So when you write a script, you really want to keep it to sort of short sentences and one idea per sentence, avoid acronyms. And it's like the whole idea that you're telling a friend down the pub about what you do or your mum on the phone. You're not going to put in buzzwords and managerial talk. You're just going to keep it really simple. So if you're writing a script, just follow that format. And when it comes to equipment, you might want to use a teleprompter. So a lot of people when they're doing videos at home uh, struggle because it takes a long time. But recently I've been using a teleprompter for my own videos on LinkedIn and obviously in video production we use them a lot. And they're very simple devices. It's basically, if you haven't seen one, it's, um, you have to have your own iPad. But essentially the iPad sits in a plastic tray on a light stand and the teleprompter comes with a special bit of glass. So the camera can look through the glass and doesn't see the glass 
but when you're standing in front, the iPad screen is reflected in the screen. So you have a special app on the iPad, you load the script onto the app, you basically press play, and the words come up. So you could be looking straight into the camera, or you could have it to one side, so you pretend you're looking at someone else, and you can quickly deliver your script. So if you've written the script, um, it's gonna be easy to say, and then you'll find that you could easily record a couple of videos in one morning session. So it's a much nice. sort of easy way to sort of, obviously, you're going to feel more relaxed, you're not going to miss points, you can um, keep it nice and short, and it's not going to take you know, too long to record a series of videos, because again, video production can take a long time, but this will really help speed things up. Mm, nice. So you've got a teleprompter, one piece of equipment, tripods, obviously that's pretty basic. If you are using a phone, lots of people I see these days are using phones, and it's a great thing. You just need some sort of special way to hold your phone onto a tripod. So it's just a sort of phone clamp, Audio, really, really important. Um, I use Rode Wireless Go mics. Um, the person speaking has this little black box attached to them. Um, I recommend the extra lavalier microphone that will connect to the front of someone's T-shirt or uh, shirt. And then it wirelessly goes to the, the receiving end, which is plugged into your phone or camera. So, you know, the main secret to good audio is having the microphone as close to the person speaking as possible. And I think this is probably the best way for most people. You know, it's a real turn off if you if you're watching someone's video and the audio is bad. Mm, you're not the getting wind's crackling and can't hear, or it's super echoey. Or exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a big, big sort of turn off. So I think there's probably two things that are going to make your videos more professional, stand out on a social media platform, and that's good audio and then lights as well. So lights aren't for everyone, um, but it certainly makes you sort of stand out. It's much more flattering. You put a little bit of light in your eyes, and you really want to avoid that kind of overhead lighting look where you have sort of shadows and panda eyes and <laughs> really not a good look at all so it's going to make you look better or if you're filming other people it's going to make them look better which is part of your job as a videographer um, so if you don't have a light just think about where your light source is coming from so we've all seen people on zoom in the last couple of years with the window behind them and they're silhouetted you just have this big white square behind them so don't do that turn it all around so the person you're filming is looking towards the window use that as a big light source for instance and I think just a couple of extra little tips around using your phone to film just make sure you clean the lens I think we'll sort of forget how much we're sort of pulling our phones in and out of our pockets and you finally got greasy fingerprint marks all over the lens Storage on a phone is difficult you could, because you go from one phone to another phone and you just carry all those photos and videos with you. So if you're going to use your phone to film, just get used to deleting things off it. And um, video takes up a lot of space, so you'd be surprised how quickly you can get through your gigabytes of storage on your phone. And then battery life as well is a probably important thing when you're going out to film filming video you know the screen's on for a longer period of time and you're going to get through that that battery so take a charger take an extra battery pack and maybe put your phone onto airplane mode because that will basically you won't get distractions and, and phone calls mm -hmm. notifications but also save your battery power overall you might not even cut off something i don't know if it could could cut off you know when you receive a call or something maybe it's still filming so it's a good idea that yeah airplane yeah. mode just block everything else out um you'll survive not getting a Instagram notification for <laughs> for ten minutes while you film a video. So uh, yeah, that's right. Block it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good tip. 
And yeah, I like the idea. Yeah, clean the lens. I, I've, it's like my little boy, little baby's always got my phone. You know, they love the phones, the grubby little hands and goes in his mouth, you know? Like, yeah. Clean that thing, yeah. Yeah, everything suddenly looks a bit kind of milky. Like, yeah. Soft yeah. focus, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So work to, you know, production. That's the tip three. And so you go out to film and hopefully you're feeling confident that you've done the planning so you don't need to think so hard on the day in terms of what you need to get you've done all that in stage one all your equipment's good you know you've got backups of things and you've got everything working correctly so when you do go out to film um let's say you're sort of filming somewhere else maybe it's a client testimonial or even for yourself at home you don't need to worry about the equipment side of things so when you get to the production um if you're filming yourself or going out to film an interview with someone you really want a quiet space. Uh, I think we're good at just sort of filtering out all those background noises. It could be traffic, it could be someone next door, doors shutting, ticks, uh, clocks ticking. So just really sort of take some time, maybe close your eyes, just listen into the space you're filming in to make sure there's nothing distracting. If you're doing an interview, there's a, probably a few things uh, just worth bearing in mind. And again, it's going to make your life easier when it comes to uh, the editing process. And that would basically be you want standalone answers. So what that really means is when you ask someone a question, they put their, your question into their answer. Mm. So it's like, you know, why is the sky blue? The sky is blue because blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it's just going to help cut down their answers so you can have a shorter video. Also, I think it's you know what you want them to say because you've thought about that in step one. So, you know, they might want to talk about something else, but I think if they put your question in the answer first, they'll start off in the direction you want them to go. Nice, yeah. yeah. Without putting words in their mouth, you're sort of steering the interview to fit what you want it to be about. Helps make sense too. If they just answer, sometimes it might not actually make as much sense in the when you're editing it later. It's like, oh. Yeah, really definitely. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you've got to sort of wait to like 45 seconds in and then suddenly your video blows out because you just don't have these nice, short, yeah, self-contained awesome. answers. Very good. Um, and then also, you know, so you're going to get your interview done. Um, that's all going to go smoothly. Then you need to get these extra shots. And people call them B-roll or overlay or cutaways. And essentially it's when you hear the person speaking, but you see something else. Mm. So they're really important for two reasons. One is when you come to editing, you'll have, let's say, a 10-minute interview with someone. You'll cut bits together to make your two-minute video. And you'll have these joins in the video track. So you need to hide these cuts. Now you see um, with video bloggers, they don't hide the cuts um, and that's fine. I guess we're more used to that now with watching more video online, but it's not the way you see things on TV. So you film these extra shots to hide the cuts in your video track, but actually it makes your video much more engaging and professional. So once you start sort of adding these into your own videos, you'll suddenly think, okay, you know, this is looking much more like, uh, you know, we all have high expectations because we just watch commercial TV. So just using this technique. So in terms of sort of what makes good overlay, you'll have an idea before you go in because you know what the video is about. But also whilst you're doing the interview, you can really think through, you know, what they're saying. And sometimes things come up. You're like, okay, well, I didn't know you did. Blah, 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 blah. And you can go and film that stuff. So some people like to film the interview first, then the overlay. And I think that works well because then you know what's in the interview and you can film these extra things mm. that will need to be tied in to the video. Um, there's an argument perhaps to film the overlay first and you can build up this rapport with the person. But for me, mainly it's the interview first and then, then overlay. 
and uh, you can sort of work through your shot list and um, you really have to think about, uh, it's sort of easy to forget the viewer isn't there you know, with you. So you need to sort of think about you know, wide shots to really sort of establish the, the scene. But I think what works well is to have real close-up shots as well. And if you're on a phone or, or camera, you can really get in and get these kind of close-up angles, sort of much closer than you, you normally would in everyday life. And that works well in editing as well, to go from a wide shot to a close-up shot, and then you can cut to another scene. Mm, so nice. just think in this sort of variety. So you don't just sort of hit record and wander around filming lots of different things. Think of each shot as if it's almost a photo. So you sort of set the camera up, check the exposure, the composition, focus, hit record, count to 10, hit stop, then you do your next shot. And another little tip probably would be to think higher and lower, because we all see the world from you know four, five, six foot off the ground, but actually just get you know right down or stand on a chair and have a high angle. And this is again, much more engaging shots and, and people will sort of really like this and hopefully watch your videos for longer. That's a cool idea. I really like it. Yeah, they're higher and lower. And also, I think sometimes people are struggling with the overlays because they're trying to get, you know, something really different that's not even on set. But but with these ideas, you can make your your overlays or whatever we want to call them, you know, at the same time, basically at the same set. Yeah. yeah. I was on TV years back on a um, it was an afternoon kids show for back in my uh, glory days of professional surfing. But yeah. I was interviewed for, for as a professional surfer on this. Um, TV show like on mainstream TV and they were filming it we're on the grass at Bondi Beach uh, with the big camera you know the full on setup and mm -hmm. mics and everything but the, one of the guys just who was just like one of the other kind of show hosts or whatever had a little handy cam and while we were doing the main talking like interview and discussing he was kind of hovering around the back with a with a, it looked like a little home handy cam and I was kind of like looking like what's he doing I guess it's maybe it's for them for back of house or whatever but then later they actually edited that in. And so it was clips of me talking to the guy mm. with the big camera. Mm. You know, it was like a behind the scenes. And it even looked grainy and a bit, it was like they intensified the graininess or whatever intentionally and kind of made it almost like a bit more black and white or whatever. So he's sort mm. of like getting these overlays while I was doing the other interview. You know, mm. it was pretty cool. And it made it engaging. Yeah, just so it's not the one shot the whole time. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I think those behind the scenes videos are really, um, really worth doing. I've sort of been asked to film on a photo shoot. Right, and, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just sort yeah. of making the most out of that one day. But I think people really love behind-the-scenes shots. And I, I see it's probably the, the bits I most enjoy out of some of those really big productions like sort of Blue Planet or Planet Earth, all those sort of nature ones. And sometimes they have that 10-minute behind-the-scenes uh, yeah. at the end of the show. And being a bit geeky, I really love, like, hmm, <laughs> how do they film that? And I kind of love that sort of stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. and the stories behind it is like, you know, the man spent a year in a, a small wooden hut just to get the shot of the paralysed <laughs> bird yeah, doing nice. this. Like, this is fantastic. So yeah, behind the scenes is always good. Nice. So we're up to, to uh, post-production. So really that's the sort of groundwork to saying, you know, um, video editing, essentially. So the things you need to sort of think about are, you know, you come back from a shoot, you've got all these video files. Video files are massive. So it really pays to be organized. So I work with a sort of folder-based system and I will sort of have a sort of template folder because I have a folder and then folders within that folder. So I can just duplicate that to run them to make the folders every single time. 
And then in there, there'll be a, a folder for my video, my images, my graphics, my music, mm, a folder for the edit, um, so the file that's saved from your editing program, um, documents, so image release form, budget notes, and then a folder for my exports and previews. So the nice thing is everything stays in one place. So you come back, plug in your camera, phone, whatever you need to do, put the video files in the video folder and, and so on, get organized. Then at that point, you might want to duplicate that whole folder and put that on an external hard drive. Mm. So now you've got two copies of your media. So it doesn't matter if you, you know, someone else uses the camera or even if your computer breaks down. We've got a backup nice. at this point. And the worst sort of case scenario would be the person that just had the video folder and they just came back and they just put more and more and more video files in there. Mm. And suddenly that video folder is too massive and then you get an external hard drive and you get a video folder too. Yeah. And it just gets out of control because, you know, next year you might be, oh, that was some really, you know, interesting stuff that filmed last year that I could reuse this year and yeah. save me a trip out to blah, blah, blah to go and film it again. You'll never find that footage unless you can go back to, oh, it was in April and it was such and such topic, you can find it, you can re-edit it or sort of make a best of video. So mm. it really sort of, again, pays to be organised. Absolutely. And this would work well. Now, it doesn't matter what editing programme you use. I mean, there's many great ones out there. I use Adobe Premiere, and that's probably the, the programme I teach most people because a lot of people have Adobe in-house these days. Um, Filmora is another good one, which is more of a sort of one-off fee, more like $100. But the main thing is it doesn't really matter what program you're using. You really need to sometimes sort of step back and think, I've got all these media files. I just need to put them in a certain order to tell my story. I might add some music, some graphics, and then I'm going to export the video. So really sometimes you can sort of get big bogged down in sort of which program is better, and is it PC or is it Mac? It really doesn't matter. Just think whatever works for you and however best that you can tell your story, just get on with that program. Have you ever heard of anyone liking iMovie? No. <laughs> me either, just out of interest. A lot of people are sort of like, oh, I'm using iMovie, and I, you know, it's sort of it's not going so well weird. for them. It's not, of all the uh, intuitive uh, programs and everything they have, it's, I don't like it at all. But yeah, anything else. Yeah. <laughs> well, unless you can get by, and maybe I never got my head around it, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a step up. I and mean, I think with Adobe Premiere, people are often like, oh, you know, it looks Too online, much. it looks a bit intimidating. Yeah. Um, and perhaps it, it is. Um, I've got to say, I've taught many, many people, and it really isn't, you know, by the end of the day, everyone's like, oh, no, I've got this. It's totally fine. And mm -hmm. it is a massive program. I've been looking at sort of all the extra features, and I've realised I'm probably just scratching the surface. But it yeah. is all the bits everyone needs as a video editor. It's just get rid of the bad bits, put the bits together, tell your story. Nice. So hopefully you can just sort of work through from your notes and it's more sort of a cut and paste parts now going back to that stage one where you know, you know your questions, you know your shots you're going to use and you can just kind of work through that. So it's not sort of a blowout re-engineering thing because video editing can take a long time um, for good and bad. You know, I find it sort of an enjoyable process, process and I think the whole sort of filming is technical and creative and I think... That comes into the filming side and definitely the editing side. So there's just the technical bits of how to work the program, but then you can obviously be really sort of creative with that. Um, it's worth looking into music libraries. You know, you can't unfortunately just use Taylor Swift and Rolling Stones on every every track, every video you make. So you know that that will be pulled up on YouTube. So it's worth investing. Um, I think it's a couple of hundred dollars really for something like you know many of these these libraries, and they're, and they're good. And I think it's time. 
sort of well spent really because I think there's sort of maybe free or cheaper libraries but there's many more of those sort of ukulele clapping corporate tracks that just <laughs> are not great and a, a good music track can really kind of elevate your video and make it feel like 25% faster I think mm. and you know it's, it's good and a couple of maybe different tracks if it's a sort of three minute video maybe you could change pace it was a classic one with Australian Red Cross where we'd have the sort of uh, problem and then solution. So more of a piano track to start with and then we drop it down in gear and have a sort of more upbeat uh, nice. ending to your video. Yeah. So it can really sort of uh, drive the mood as well. So a good music library we can search by genre or beats per minute or theme would just uh, be a nice way to, to edit. And I think also stock footage, again, has been a bit of a dirty word in the past, but I think there's better libraries out there. And it's amazing what you have access to. So a uh, subscription to... I use Inviso Elements and it has the music and video graphics and all these different things. But I can get a drone shot of flying over the Hub Bridge, which um, wow, yeah. would normally or in the past either cost me thousands if I wanted to get the helicopter or mm -hmm. sort of, you know, 70 bucks if I was just going to buy a one-off clip. Nice. So there's all kinds of great stuff out there just to make your videos better. And that comes along with sort of templates and animated graphics as well. So just to, your videos going to look much more polished if you just can throw in an animated graphic and these things have all been sort of pre-built, so all you need to do is just change the colours, change the font, and the names. So um, it's worth investigating, researching what's out there and what will work with the editing programme you're using. So final stage would just be sharing your video. Um, you know, it sort of sounds obvious, but I think you could just think about how you could reuse the content. Um, even in the production side of things, you might want to film a little teaser knowing that that 15-second sort of intro would be a really good on a certain platform, and that could encourage people to go through to the longer version of your video that's now on YouTube. Mm. So you look and look at different platforms um, and for different length videos. It's worth thinking about subtitles. Um, that used to be a really long sort of process. Um, I like to tell the story of when I was at Amnesty International and we would work in English, French, Spanish, and Arabic. All right. So my go. typing's pretty bad, but I would have to transcribe the video, da, 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 send that off to translation oh, to wow. get the French and Spanish and Arabic. I would then cut and paste it all back in, the English, French and Spanish. I can speak enough French and Spanish to do it myself. And I thought I was, could kind of get away with the Arabic, but actually it was mirroring. So when the person sat down, Arabic speaker sat down with me, it's like... No, that's all just completely sort of going the wrong way. Backwards. Yeah, backwards. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so we had to do that offside. Off it's, it's expensive. <laughs> so, you know, subtitling is definitely something you want to do at the end of the project because you don't want to kind of re-edit it at that point. Um, but, you know, just looking at stats, it's, you know, more people are going to watch your video and more people are going to watch it longer with subtitles. And obviously it's good for accessibility. So it's something to definitely to get done. Premiere now has a really good AI tool which will do voice to text in the program. Um, when you upload to YouTube and Facebook, I believe it will do the same thing as so you just go through and it will add the captions. There's places where you can send the video off and get it transcribed. Um, I've used websites like Get Subly where you can upload the video to it and it'll do the same system. So many things out there, many ways of doing it, but I'd sort of recommend doing that. And also when it comes to sharing, you might want to resize them as well. So sometimes the editing program can help with that. So it's, you want a one-by-one one version or a vertical video version. And, you know, if, if your audience is perhaps always going to watch your videos on uh, a phone, perhaps you'll film it differently as well on a mm -hmm. phone and, and hold your phone 
and a different orientation. So it's worth thinking about your audience and how best to serve them and, and also how you could reuse your content in many different ways. Um, so from the one video, you've got two or three different options. Yeah, it, used to, it was like the um, it was almost like a big no-no before filming a video um, portrait, wasn't it? Like, and then now that Instagram's come along, a lot of the videos are suddenly portrait or need to be edited if to fit on that platform because you're watching it. You know, you you're viewing it vertically on your phone, so it's that uh, adjustment. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, it used to sort of annoy me when I'd see people filming with their phone. Um, vertically but, oh, you don't understand the, anything yeah <laughs> posted and have the black bars on the yeah. sides <laughs> um, but now yeah that, that is that is a thing that's, that's, it's okay you can do that <laughs> <laughs> they're just now up to date they're modern now they're, they're uh, understanding the future <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I promised a bonus tip and I think you know a bonus tip would be to have a bonus tip in your video, you know, it's, it's a it's a YouTube format uh, that works well to sort of encourage people to, to keep watching. But um, it's not a trick. I actually do have a bonus tip, and um, this is around video strategy and and content because I think it's great. Hopefully, you're enthused to go out there and make great videos. But once you've made one, you're encouraged and rewarded by algorithms and platforms to keep on keeping on, keep on making more videos. So um, this is around how do you keep coming up with content ideas? So there's, there's great books out there and you know many blogs and um, websites devoted to it, but something that someone taught me a while ago was to look at the areas of expertise, uh, or what are you an expert in? Think about those as, as main uh, areas. So it could be you know half a dozen or 10 areas or 12 areas. And just write those out. Maybe it comes from your frequently asked questions. You know, what do people always ask you about your business? Or maybe it's what you want to be well known as when people go online to get an answer for something. So if you come up with these main areas of expertise, and then if you underneath each heading come up with four subheadings, uh, let's say for instance, you know, you're a baker and it's all about starter for making sourdough bread. So it's like, you know, what is a starter? How do you look after it? Um, how do you prepare it before you start making bread? And what happens when it all goes wrong, which is what happened to mine, and it goes a bit mouldy. Do you throw it away or not? You come up with small, uh, bite-sized chunk videos that hopefully will get um, might come up in a search result because people are jumping up online for mostly they're trying to find out answers to things. So maybe your video will come up as an answer on Google. And this could be a good way to make a short video, answer those questions, show that you're an expert in the field, and then that video could um, send them through to your website. Hopefully, leads and conversions will come from that. But I think you know, if you break it down, suddenly you've got you know perhaps a video per week you could add on, and then you can look at the the comments and feedback and redo videos and um, find out what people are thinking about. And it really snowballs. So it's you know you start off making three videos, and think that's it, I've got nothing else. <laughs> But maybe if you work through this concept, you find that you're actually, you know lots. You're an expert in your field and you can easily make, you know, 40 videos quite quickly if you break it down into smaller chunks. And I think that's the thing. Don't make a seven-minute video. Make a 90-second video and it's going to be easier to finish and people will just watch more of your content. Nice. So good. One of the biggest challenges, isn't it? People are trying to come up with content, yeah. you know, content ideas. I have an Evernote um, file in my you know, on my phone and laptops and everything that syncs, um, just Evernote, if you're not, for listeners not aware, it's just a note-taking 
um, software and I have the notes in there of ideas. It's like video tip ideas because we do YouTube video tips. So I just have it in my phone and it's just a practice to like idea comes to mind or customer asks a question. Oh, that'd be a good idea for a video tip. Get in the habit of like, just put it in Evernote, put it in Evernote, put it in Evernote. So I might be standing in the supermarket line and put it in Evernote, you know, and then suddenly it's uh, when it's time to film, I open Evernote and there's, there's all my ideas ready, you know, well, some a bunch yeah. of ideas ready to go. Yeah, definitely. Otherwise, I'm thinking, oh, I had that great idea yesterday. What was it? Can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, what you, once you start thinking on those lines, anything I read, so I'm like, oh, that's a good, good one. And you somehow sort of make it marry up with some other thing you've been thinking about and how it relates yeah. to your business. Um, <laughs> it's amazing how it can all sort of mesh together. Oh, so good. This has been amazing. So many tips and um, so much to implement for everyone. And as I mentioned, a lot of notes. Good idea to take a lot of notes and keep it like a bit of a checklist for yourself. What about, so you've been part of Basic Bananas and um, just for our listeners, this is just a little bit of a, uh, you know, basically uh, give us your little insights. Obviously, it's a little bit about us, a little bit of, you know, in terms of uh, Basic Bananas. Why not steal you for a little bit of a promotional opportunity here mm. while we got you in the, uh, um, in the headquarters? But um, just like, what's your... You know, basically, what's your experience been like? You've been part of the Clever Bunch, I think, month nine now. Yeah, that's right. Nine yeah. months in. Um, I actually received a uh, direct mail from oh, somebody with a little <laughs> uh, a little gift inside. I got excited, ripped it open, a handwritten envelope, and this is uh, came with a little uh, uh, tripod fastening tool, and uh, really cool. And so, something I'll keep and remember forever. Um, very good to see you implementing the strategies uh, involved in the Clever Bunch. So thank you for that, uh, Director. Oh, good. I'm glad they arrived, yeah. <laughs> in, in, yeah. In general, like, how's your experience? And uh... Yeah, no, it's been great. So, I mean, I, you know, I think, I forget which session we're up to, but I started in January. So, um, you know, I can't believe how quickly this year's gone. Mm. And I think for me, uh, what I've really enjoyed is, is a sort of holistic view of things. So I, and I think everyone's probably guilty of just concentrating on the bits they want to do or or the bits where they think they'll get the quickest rewards, um, which may or may not be right. But I think, you know, for me, I, was, I have a, web, a background in web design. So I was sort of, you know, I've been tinkering with the website and I tried a little bit of Google advertising and so on. But I think what I really learned was just to sort of look at marketing uh, from many different angles. And it, yeah, it was a case of writing postcards, so direct mailing people and, you know, actually going out to buy a little gift you could send to people. Um, and try in many different ways. And sometimes, you know, maybe a session would be coming up and I'd feel like it wasn't necessarily for me. But I would always finish the session and feel I was thinking about things in a different way. And I was definitely going to sort of implement those tips. And I really think you can't, you can't just rely on what you know, obviously. And I think that the more you can sort of spread the net wider, the more chances you have to reach people and maybe reach them in, in different ways as well, rather than just think, email, 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 I'm just going to keep writing to them and then that'll win through. So I think that's what I've really enjoyed. It's probably given me the sort of confidence to, to, to run my own business and feel, you know, I could do things better or that's okay or actually implement tools that other people are using. So I think a big one for me was um, setting up a CRM like Entreport mm. and that's what you guys use. Yeah. And I'd, like many things in life, there were many different options out there and it's really hard to know which to jump for, and there's pros and cons and different price points. So I think, you know, who knows exactly, but I, my experience has been great. And I think what did work really well was the fact um, with Basic Bananas, we had the sort of templates built in. Mm. So within like, I don't know, hours, I already had 
a series of emails that are going to go out to people every other day when they fill in the contact form. Uh, I sent out a newsletter, and then there was an onboarding thing with the team at Entrepot, and you know they're there on a live chat. So when I've had questions, so nice. you know you can spend a long time, I think, trying to set these things up. And I've downloaded stuff in the past for like you know your fourteen day free trial, and kind of got nowhere because mm. it's really difficult when you've got that kind of blank canvas knowing where to start. So I think that has probably been my biggest win because people get in touch and not like hundreds a week or anything like that. But if I see someone sort of is going to be my ideal sort of um, client, then I'll probably sort of jump straight in there and get in touch. But I also know if I don't have time, Entreport's going to be sending out these emails and, and that's going to be working really well. So it's a sort of confidence to sort of move in those in the right direction. Yeah, I love it. Oh, thanks so much. So so good to hear, and awesome to be a part of your journey mm, uh, as well in business. It's like like if someone was on the fence, going, should I, shouldn't I? What do you think would be a trigger? Like, why, sh- you know, who, who do you think it's great for? I guess in your opinion, I guess it's based on your experience. Most yeah. Well, I mean, I think um, from what I've experienced and sort of meeting people during the sessions, I think there were a lot of people in the same boat, which was, you know, you were working on your own, or probably a very small team, but it seemed to be a lot of people like myself, you know, working on your own. And I think it's, you know, cliche, but it's a sort of lonely place sometimes, and you've got to kind of deal with many hats in terms of all the different things you've got to look after. So I think, you know, firstly, sort of being part of the community, seeing people you know monthly sort of being accountable trying different things that maybe it's a little bit out of your comfort zone but also I think probably a selling point for me was the uh, newly named advisory board which I have used a lot and sometimes just tuned in just to just to get some tips um, listen to what other people are doing and get some tips from me as well so I think for me I've really um you know, I think it's impossible otherwise. Who am I going to ask? Like, you know, does this look good or not? You know, it's not anything anyone else is interested in or I can't, you know, my wife doesn't know about this kind of stuff or, you know, so you're on your own quite often. It's like, is this a good web page or not? So just being able to kind of get people within a get really... feedback. Yeah, in yeah. a real short space of time going, oh, I'll do this, this and this and change that. That's, you know, 80% there, just tweak this and that. Again, it's, it's great tips, but also the confidence that, you know, you're trying your best and you know you can only do as much as you know and I think just feeling like um, uh, you, you know it, it's okay and uh, you're not doing anything wrong because you've got this advice yeah. and it can just help you to sort of build with confidence and perhaps move on to other things rather than just me constantly sort of tweaking the web page I can then sort of think right let's do this let's try that and just move on to other things absolutely yeah I couldn't agree more it's great having the whole team behind you to direct and give feedback and um so for you like so, so for our listeners um people may be keen and i'm sure they should be and a lot would be uh keen on learning more about improving their video production um how can they learn more from you how can they engage you um where should they go to learn more yeah great so um i'm i have a website videoskills.com.au and um we run workshops um basically in-house is this the sort of format um, or we find a training room you know that's going to be convenient to the person who, who's got in touch um, we have trainers in Melbourne and Brisbane um, but we also cover Adelaide Gold Coast um, regional Australia uh, often online as well which has been the sort of thing I learned during COVID that you know 
I can sort of fly around the country. So Western Australia and some regional areas more online. Um, but the idea is, you know, just to, it's a one day uh, format. So the morning is to do with camera skills. We go through a lot of the tips and bits we talked about today, how to get yourself set up with your camera gear in house, look where you might be filming and make sure you're sort of confident to do the filming uh, in your office and then do some filming and then learn how to edit. So it's, you know, it's a lot in a day, but it basically gives everyone, you know, the foundations to get going to create their own content and um, feel ready to start producing some good short form content. Awesome. Yeah, so good and so valuable. I think I, I recommend it for everyone and also uh, especially and if you have team members, get your team um, trained up by Ed and Ed's team would be amazing. Suddenly you got your own in-house production team pumping out professional videos. So I'll include the link to uh, Ed's website in the show notes. So if you're listening in, no matter where you're listening in, there'll be a little uh, blurb about the show. There'll be the URL there so you can click through to learn more. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, thanks again. Thanks very much. To get more from Basic Bananas and to learn new ways to grow your business with clever marketing, visit basicbananas.com.